If you would, take out your Bible and join us. We're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew. It's about two-thirds through um, the scriptures in front of you. I want to remind you, and if you're here for the first time, let you know if you don't own a Bible, this is your first Christmas present. We want you to take the one in front of you home. Every Bible in the church is a gift um, for those who don't have one. So I mean that sincerely. We, we fill them back up again. Please take it home with you. But for right now, open up to our reading, Matthew chapter 1, beginning at verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her, qui- divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophet, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. He did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name of Jesus. The word of the Lord. Speed to God. You can take that. Lord Jesus, we thank and praise you. You are the word that became flesh and dwelled among us, just as you have dwelled among your creation since the beginning when you created it. You are here with us in this place, and we pray that as we open up your word, that it would change us, that we would become closer to you and more like you in the world when we leave than when we came. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I was reading some Greek mythology for Christmas. Anybody else get into Greek mythology for Christmas? No, just me. I was was reading about the Greek god Atlas. Has anybody ever heard of Atlas? Okay, a lot of of you have. One of the more well-known gods. He's the titan of endurance. You, You probably know him best from being depicted as the one who holds the world on his shoulders, right? Now, here's a photo I've got. This is of the oldest um, in, statue in existence of, of Atlas. Um, it is at the National Archaeological Museum in Naples, Italy. It dates all the way back to 150 A.D., And to give you a little bit of historical context for that, I'm a Chicago Bears fan. That's the same year the Bears last won the Super Bowl. So (laughs) I I remember that. And you know what else is kind of funny? I've told that joke a couple services now. The Packer fans are laughing the most because this year misery loves company, doesn't it? I'm sorry. Anyway, the the other important thing, more important than that, was that this would have been less than 100 years after what Jacob and Evan just read from the Gospel of Matthew was recorded the story of Christmas. And so this goes way back. These are stories at biblical times that people would have known. Now, when you hear the name Atlas, what comes to your mind? Just yell it out. What what comes to your mind? 
maps, right? Right, that's one thing. How about is there a large body of water that sounds familiar? Anybody? The Atlantic Ocean. Both of those names have their origins in the name of the Greek god Atlas. Um, What you might not know, though, is if you look closely at the face of this sculpture, you'll see his expression is distraught. And there's a reason why. The myth of Atlas goes like this. Atlas and the Titans, they had this epic battle against the Olympians, and they lost. And so Zeus decided that because Atlas was so strong that what his, what his, um, what, what was, would, would eventually happen is that he would be punished by being condemned to holding the world on his shoulders for all of eternity. It was a curse. And later on in the story, he gets Hercules to hold on to it temporarily, but Hercules eventually ends up tricking him into taking it back. And I was reading all this, and and I was thinking about how much so many of us actually enjoy, or we seem to think that we enjoy, carrying and controlling the world on our shoulders. We feel as if it's a gift. If you don't believe me, how much of the time of your life up to this point have you spent trying to carry and control things that you were never meant to carry and control? If you don't believe me, just think about maybe coming to church here today. Was there someone on the road that was driving at a speed in front of you that was less than the speed you wanted to be driving in order to get all those people are laughing? And that person is also here in church too. Just so you know, don't laugh too hard, right? That's what I'm talking about. How many of you are waiting for Christmas presents to come that are backordered or stuck somewhere on the supply chain? Show of hands. All right, hey, guys, I'm giving everyone who forgot to buy a gift a free pass right now. It's stuck somewhere in train. No, we've experienced this, right? We can't have anymore what we want, when we want, how we want, where we want. Those of us who are parents, do you have kids that drive you up a wall because they have opinions and personalities and wills that, that at times contradict your own? See, We all, even at a young age, want to carry the world on our shoulders until the weight begins to crush us. And I think the longer that we live, the more we realize that the Greek mythology may have been onto something. This carrying the world thing is actually a curse. And friends, I tell you the story Because this is the curse that Jesus came to break when he came as an infant on Christmas. Because the gift of an infant is that they take all of your attention while at the very same time making everything around them feel a little lighter and a little bit less significant in perspective. And so hear me when I say this, because I know in a room this size that there are a number of us that can relate. If you're tired, if you're weary, if you have been carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders, my prayer for you and for myself is that you will find a way to let it go and to carry it a little bit lighter, even if it's just for tonight, even if it's just for 
Christmas. I'll give you my own example. Back at the beginning of December, my wife, Alyssa, she posted a picture of the dry erase board uh, calendar that we have in our, in our laundry room at our house on Facebook. It, it looks like this. Um, she realized that we had not updated it since September, which sounds like something. Let me tell you, though, it was September of 2021. <laughs> was the last time that we updated it. Now, let me tell you why, especially if you're new. That was a, a big month for us. It was the month that our youngest surprise child, Grayson, was born into the world. He was born two and a half weeks earlier than he was due to be born. It's also the first time anybody in our family tested positive for COVID, and it was my wife while she was in labor. And so we're so grateful she ended up being okay, but that naturally led a layer of stress and difficulty to what we and our family were going through. She suffered from postpartum preeclampsia after Grayson was born. There's so many things I could tell you. And she posted this picture on Facebook and she described September of 2021 as the month, and I quote my wife, that our lives pivoted and a new chaos ensued. How many of you have been through a month like that at some point in your life? All right, I know we all go through seasons like this. It reminded her and myself of the series that we were just beginning for the season of Advent here at St. John's, A Weary World Rejoices, because weary is the word that she would use and that I would use to describe the last year. And I know that for many of us, it's the word that we would use to describe the last three years. Now, I know that is in tension with a lot of us who have so much to be thankful for, right? So many reasons to be grateful, to, to be healthy, to be in a church full of people and candlelight and all of that. And yet, even if you can say all of those things this Christmas, we can't deny that the last three years have been life-altering. Right? There was a global pandemic, political polarization, polarization in our living rooms, polarization in our churches, polarization everywhere, never-ending global strife. How many of you have gotten sick in the last month? Show of hands. Okay, now everybody's a little nervous about sitting next to all of you. You're not sick anymore. Like, some of you have come and you're like, Pastor, I haven't seen you in forever. We've just been sick. It just keeps going. It doesn't seem to want to end. Maybe you're, maybe you're a parent who, who every day, every waking moment, you're just spending helping your kids and cooking and cleaning and working and making sure that everybody else's basic needs are met and it comes at the expense of your own. Maybe for you, it's your job. It's intense. You're thankful for it, but it's stressful, and there's nobody that can do what you do, and so, so you're carrying an enormous amount of weight. Maybe you're feeling the weight of inflation on your finances. You're trying to do more with less than you've ever had before. I know for some of you, and I went and spent the last two days visiting many of our members who are homebound and can't be with us. Maybe this year is marked with your health failing. That your body, that your, your, your mind, your strength, your energy, your memory, your eyesight, they're not what they used to be, and yet the world doesn't seem to care enough to slow down for you, does it? I was sitting with a family a couple months ago. They had lost their loved one. 
and we were sitting in their living room. We were organizing the memorial service, and one of them looked out the window, and they said, you know, when our loved one died, the world stopped for us, and yet out there, the world just kept going, and they didn't say this, but as I was thinking about it, I thought it feels cruel in those moments, doesn't it? Where we're crushed with the weights of, of unbearable grief or great loss or stress that we feel as if we have got to continue running, that we've got to continue going. And so this whole season of Advent, if, if you joined us leading up to Christmas, I hope you got the message that as we talked about the first Christmas, we talked about how it was much less Greek mythology. It was much less Hallmark Christmas movie. And it was much more weary. It was much more human. It was much more in touch with those of you who are tired and who have been suffering in this last year. It was in a world that was steeped in stories about great gods and goddesses that control the universe. And then the one true God chose to come. And he chose to come not as a titan, but he chose to come as an infant. That's the story that we read. Let me read to you a few more verses once again. Verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now, I've learned a lot of things from Joseph over the years. Joseph is, is one of our earliest recorded foster and adoptive fathers, right, as he takes on Jesus into his family as his earthly father. Um, one of the things that I've learned here in this passage is that even great blessings that originate from God can overpower us. They can overcome us. They can be heavy burdens when we try to carry them on our own. And I don't have to over-spiritualize this, right? Like, like those of you who are parents, is it not a gift to receive the opportunity and the privilege of being able to walk alongside another human life that calls you mom, that calls you dad, and yet, have you not been at moments where you can't take it, where you're overwhelmed, where you can't do this anymore. Maybe marriage for you during some seasons has been great blessings and then there's other seasons where it feels as if you can't get through it by yourself. Maybe you're thankful for your job and yet you don't know if you can continue to get up in the morning and come in each and every day. Joseph knows what you're feeling. Joseph, learning that his fiancée was pregnant with a child that wasn't his own God's or anyone else's, he feels this unbearable weight on his shoulders. He has decided that it is too much to carry, and so he sets out for the only way out that he knows, and that is through divorce. Now, what is the definition of divorce? Divorce is irreconcilable differences. 
irreconcilable differences between two people. And if you've been at that place with someone else, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But we all can relate to this. You don't have to have been through divorce to have come up against an irreconcilable difference in your life. A wall that you can't get over. A weight that you cannot bear. And so Joseph has concluded that that's where he's at. There's nothing left he can do. There's no way that he can fix this to carry the weight on his shoulders. And it's almost as if God was waiting for him to get to that place before what happens next. Verse 20, it says, after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Friends, here's the truth. If you look at the order in which these events happen, the angel of the Lord doesn't appear to Joseph until he's already decided that he's done. Until he's already decided that he's finished. God allowed Joseph to carry temporarily this weight on his shoulders of this unbearable engagement just long enough to realize, I can't do this anymore. And it was in that moment where he has this silent confession where he has considered this is an irreconcilable difference that God says to Joseph in a dream, I am here let me help you carry this. You are not alone. And so I want to ask you this Christmas, what is it for you? What do you need to bring before God? What is it that you have been considering is a weight that you can no longer bear? So the next verse goes like this. It says, all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord said through the prophet, that the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him, say it with me, Emmanuel, which means, say it, God with us. You know what that doesn't say? It doesn't say God behind us. It doesn't say God in front of us. It doesn't say God below us. It doesn't say God above us. It says God with us. Do you know why it says God with us? Because the only way God can help carry your burdens is if he's with you too. And that's the gift of Christmas. That's the gift of a God who is not distant, but a God who is present. And this is where I like this story a whole lot better than I like the story of Atlas. Because here's, here's the deal, and, and, and pardon my language, but who gives a rip what God is holding the universe? <laughs> like seriously, who cares who's up in space holding the globe when the source of my tension and my weight and my stress and my demons is so much closer. It's with me. It's in my family. It's in my relationship. Sometimes it's even inside of me. Now you might be wondering what does Greek mythology have to do with Christmas and it's actually related. Tomorrow is Christmas Day. 
And in the lectionary readings, the scripture uh, calendar that takes us through uh, the, the, the biblical calendar each and every year, the prescribed New Testament reading that describes the gift that Jesus is to us is Hebrews chapter 1. And I want to read to you just, just one verse, verse 3. It says this, that Jesus the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. This word sustaining in the Greek is where we get the image of Atlas, not because it describes Atlas, but because it describes the alternative that we have in Jesus. Friends, Jesus came not just to hold the world and control it. He came to sustain it. Let me put this very, very simply. Jesus came to hold it all together so that you don't have to. Let me, let me have you say that with me. Say it with me. Jesus came to hold it all together so you don't have to. Put your hand up if you feel like you've got to hold it all together this Christmas. All right? And if your hand is not up, it's because the pastor told me I don't have to. Put your hand up, okay? Put your hand up. I want everybody to put their hand up because there are places in all of our lives where we feel like we have to hold it all together. I want you to say it with me again out loud. Jesus came to hold it all together. Put your hand down so that you don't have to. When you go home and somebody's slaving over the stove, right, and they're cooking and, and they're cleaning and they're, they're taking care of all these things that aren't going to get done, I want you to put your hand on their shoulder and say, remember what the preacher said on Christmas Eve, Jesus came to hold it all together so you don't have to. Jesus came to hold it all together so that you don't have to. Now, I, I dove pretty deep in the story of the Greek god Atlas, and I learned that there's more that he's responsible for inspiring the names of than just the Atlantic Ocean or maps. But in psychology, the, the term Atlas is used to describe a person who had to carry an unbearable amount of weight early in their life, somebody who had lots of responsibilities, somebody who grew up too fast. Does that describe you? Another thing that, that the word atlas is used to describe is, is the C1 vertebrae. If you're not familiar, that is the topmost vertebrae. It forms the joint that connects the skull with the spine, and it is called the atlas vertebrae. Friends, Jesus lives in those places. Jesus is the one sustaining those places. Jesus came to take the burden, to carry the weight. The one who created the universe came into the universe to dwell among the universe that he might sustain the universe through his word. And so our call on this Christmas comes to us from a story. I'll end with this. It's, it's about a guy by the name of George McClawson. George McClawson, I read this story just this last week in a devotional about Christmas. He was the, the director of the YMCA in western Pennsylvania. And the way that the story goes is it was at a time when the organization was failing. He was working countless hours. Uh, they were losing money. Uh, their programs were failing. He didn't know what to do. And so he started to go to a counselor, and this counselor told him, if you don't find a way to take a break soon, you are on the verge of a nervous breakdown. 
And so he took the advice, he took a day, and he said, I'm going to go, and I'm going to go for a walk in the woods. And so that's what he did. He went for a walk in the woods, and he says that the further away he got from everything, the more he slowly began to feel the peace of the presence of God. And so he decided to stop and sit under a tree, and the only things he brought with him was a pad of paper and, and a pen. And he decided that he was going to, to write out his letter of resignation. But it wasn't going to be to the YMCA. This letter of resignation was going to be written to God as a prayer. And this is what he wrote. Dear God, today I hereby resign as general manager of the universe. Love, George. And the way he writes about this, this prayer, this letter of resignation, he says, looking back, wonder of wonders, guess what? God accepted my resignation. <laughs> Friends, God is ready to accept your resignation too. You don't have to carry and control the universe. What job have you taken upon your shoulders that is too much to bear be like Joseph, call it what it is, irreconcilable differences. You've got to call it that so that God can do what only God can through Jesus, that he can reconcile you to himself. For as the prophet Isaiah wrote long ago, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of 